Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianmedia.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. Years ago, or they say today, back in the days when TV was young and in black and white, we had those big boxes with these little TV screens in them. And the remote was, you had to get up and actually change the channel. There were only about three channels. I remember those days. Maybe some of you do as well. One of the TV programs on there was kind of a comedy show about two policemen. They were played by the actors Fred Gwynn and Joe E. Ross. Remember that? Car 54. And they would say on there, Car 54, where are you? Car 54, where are you? Remember that? Well, sometimes in that same spirit, I think people ask the question, Byzantine Catholic Church, where are you? Or Eastern Rites, where are you? Especially in terms of the United States of America. We do seem to be very sparsely populated in America. In fact, most Eastern Catholic churches have traditionally been concentrated in areas largely in the large cities in the East. They started out largely in the industrialized cities, you know, those areas like New Jersey and Pennsylvania, you know, the coal mining and steel industry places, sometimes referred to as the Rust Belt or the Babushka Belt. Cleveland and Chicago and so on. But once you get west or south, we become very, very sparse. But that's starting to change as the demographics in America are starting to change. And in fact, little by little, you can find more and more Eastern churches in areas that go beyond the traditional industrialized areas, such as in the South. And in particular, believe it or not, a big, huge state in the South called Texas. I had an opportunity during the encounter of the Eastern Catholic churches recently to talk with one of the priests, the pastors of a mission church, a Byzantine Catholic mission church in Texas, and I asked him about himself and also about his parish. Um, I'm Father Elias Rafai. I'm the pastor of St. John Chrysostom, a Byzantine Catholic church in Houston, Texas. Our parishes uh, in Texas have a quite a different reality to deal with because as um, Eastern Christians in a part of uh, the country that traditionally has a much uh, closer tie to Protestant churches. Um, and But it's also, Houston especially, is actually uh, the diocese, the Roman Catholic diocese, that is uh, the fastest growing diocese in the United States. So the, there has been a, a very dynamic shift um, towards uh, Catholicism. 
and uh, we find ourselves in a in a very positive atmosphere because of that, but also because the uh, Archbishop of um, Galveston, Houston, uh, Cardinal Donardo, is actually a very good friend of the Eastern Churches, having himself uh, been a professor at the Byzantine Catholic Seminary in Pittsburgh. Cardinal Donardo is a patristic scholar, and so he's uh, he's put it. Uh, made it very important for his own archdiocese to include the Eastern Catholic Churches in as many uh, educational, uh, ministerial projects as possible. Uh, so that brings us from being a, a small reality, a small parish in a large state, um, to, to being a better known reality even though we're still small. So we have to kind of pool our resources and collaborate as we can with uh, other churches, especially Roman Catholic churches, and even with other Byzantine churches or other Eastern Catholic churches. In my conversation with Father Elias, I also asked him how his parish reaches out beyond itself. I mean, when you're small and you're a mission parish, you're trying to get established, you're in your big new kind of area such as Texas, an area that normally Eastern Catholic churches have not existed, what do you do to reach out, to become known, to grow? Our parish this year celebrates 30 years in Houston, and uh, the parish itself, uh, although founded by, uh, by immigrants, you could say from the Northeast, uh, immigrants who were uh, Ruthenians, uh, who came and moved down because of uh, jobs, the parish has significantly transitioned to become quite a diverse melting pot, and we have uh, African-Americans, Asians, and Hispanics uh, as parishioners, and as long-standing parishioners, actually. The parish itself um, has a very welcoming uh, attitude towards visitors, and we recognize also the various religious traditions that bring people to our parish, um, including Protestants, and because we have people who are uh, converts from Protestant churches, so they understand uh, many of the visitors who come with questions about historical Christianity and ancient Christianity. And, um, and so as a parish, that is a, a, our hospitality and openness, availability, accessibility through uh, online presence um, makes us uh, um, evangelize in kind of a, a new fashion. Um, however, we're also going through a kind of a retro-evangelization, both uh, renewing our uh, awareness, the awareness of our faith uh, to our people who uh, came and the, their descendants who came from the Northeast. Um, and our parish also is now home to a sizable Melkite Greek Catholic community. And, uh, and so we have two liturgies on Sunday. One liturgy serves the Ruthenians, and one liturgy serves the Melkites, and both groups have the same openness and, and are welcoming both of uh, visitors to their liturgy and to their uh, community's activities, uh, but they're also now kind of integrating with each other so that we have a greater collaboration, and, and it, uh, it means kind of Double, double the fun, double the liturgy, double the spirituality, and it's a, it's a different parish. Then he asked Father Elias about the future. How do they plan to work towards a strong future 
of their new parish in this new region. For the future, we're looking towards, firstly, the greater integration of of the two communities with the separate bishops, integrating them into one reality. The intention is not to necessarily found another parish unless the numbers would uh, dictate that. Um, so we're looking forward towards a greater integration. We've already integrated basic parish realities such as ECF, catechism. Uh, also, adult education will be integrated. Uh, and uh, we also support a small mission community in San Antonio. And we're very involved with our sister parish in the Dallas-Fort uh, Worth area and try to uh, uh, do things such as uh, switching priests for a weekend and, and sharing in each other's resources um, and encouraging each other because it's, it's an important witness that we have in the state of Texas. And, uh, and since we're the only two communities, then uh, we have to work together for to make the, the kingdom of God present in our community there. So if you're asking the question, Byzantine Church, where are you? And you're in the Texas area, you can find one there. And you can find it with this information. If you'd like to find out more about our community in Houston, just go to www.stjohnchrysostom.com. Uh, you can also Google us, uh, Byzantine Catholic Houston, and also take a look at, at our sister parish's website, St. Basil the Great in Irving, Texas. Father Elias was very kind to take some time out to speak with you about his parish. Actually, I kind of got him in a sense on the fly because we were just ending the Eastern Catholic Church's encounter, and that particular conference took place in Ohio. It was the first of the three conferences that took place across the United States. And as it ended, I was able to kind of grab Father Elias and ask him a few questions about his church. He was kind enough to share this information with us, which was actually rather insightful about the Eastern churches and about actually both lungs of the church for this reason. It gives an insight into the particular challenge of Eastern Catholic churches, which also gives us then in turn insight into a little bit of their character. Eastern churches, by nature, have a very strong tie or, or sense of connectedness to their countries of origin. In the East, and it was so in the West as well, but more so in the East, there is hardly distinction between culture and church, church and culture. And so Eastern churches, by nature, are very tied to and influenced and kind of interwoven with their culture, and therefore their origins of their culture, in other words, their, their countries of origin. Now, when those churches came from areas such as the Middle East and Europe and Russia and so on, when they came from Eastern countries and Middle Eastern countries, when they came to America, they were faced with the challenge. They were in a different culture, a different country. How do they then survive and, in fact, thrive? When you've got, by nature, a strong connection, kind of an interweaving of your faith, your spirituality, liturgy with your culture, yet you're coming to a new culture, which is not the country of origin, how do you thrive and survive as an Eastern church? This is and always has been the challenge of Eastern churches, both Orthodox and Eastern Catholic. As we can see from Father Rafai's example of his parish, there is an interesting balance that has to go on. Eastern Catholic churches never totally segregate themselves from their roots, their ethnic or cultural roots. There's always kind of a touchstone, a kind of a home base, so to speak, of their cultural heritage. Yet at the same time, 
they cannot in America entirely define themselves in terms of culture. They have to be very open, as you heard from Father Elias' parish, that they have to be very open to people of all kinds of backgrounds and persuasions, as long as, of course, they obviously embrace the faith. So they can be a variety of ethnic backgrounds. They can be unchurched. They can be whatever. As long as they come and embrace the faith, they can be part of an Eastern Catholic Church. And indeed, this is what the Eastern Catholic Churches have to accomplish in this day and age in the United States of America, if they wish to thrive, not just survive, but to thrive. So it's a particular balance, a particular challenge that's at one time was a challenge of even the Latin Rite churches as they came as immigrants to America, but now it's more so the challenge specific to the Eastern churches, especially because by nature there is this kind of interweaving of culture and faith. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Glory to Jesus Christ. My name is Deacon Michael Lee, and I would like to personally invite you to come and receive life. I am Father Thomas Loya, inviting you to discover life, unwrap, and explore John's gospel as a profound preparation for the nativity of Christ. Jesus, the good shepherd in the gospel of St. John, says that he came to bring us life and that we might have that life abundantly. And while we're unwrapping John's gospel, we'll examine the themes of incarnation, personhood, the most holy trinity, faith, the holy mystery, and our call to holiness to name a few. Find out for yourself. Join us Tuesday evenings beginning at 6.30 p.m. Eastern during the Phillips Fast, November 20th through December 18th at the Byzantine Catholic Cultural Center located at 2420 West 14th Street in Cleveland's historic Tremont neighborhood. Can't make it to the center? Watch the live streaming video online and email your questions or comments to be part of the conversation. Visit bizcathculturalcenter.org for complete details. You're listening to Father Thomas Lawyer on Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's taborlife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. And we had an interesting interview with Father Elias from St. John Chrysostom in Texas. And we're talking about how the Byzantine Catholic Church or the Eastern churches coming from a different country, other countries of origin, and being very imbued with their ethnic or cultural heritage, how do they not only survive but thrive in the United States of America. And as I mentioned before the break, one of the challenges they have, things they have to accomplish, is that they have to balance things. In other words, they can never and will never and should never segregate entirely from their ethnic origins, from their countries of origin, their, their culture of origin. 
it always is going to be a part of a kind of a I see it as kind of like a home base. You know, like in baseball, we always have to touch base. So we always have to tag up. We're always going to tag up with that culture of where we came from. There's always going to be a certain spirit there, and there should be, because that's part of the character, the genius, the beauty, the giftedness of the Eastern churches. At the same time, the Eastern churches, and it's, and it's a very challenging, uh, it's, a, it's a very great challenge for many Eastern churches. At the same time, we have to be open to all people and not be just an ethnically based church. In other words, the strength of our church has to be in its spirituality in who we are in terms of our liturgy, our spirituality, our theology. Yes, that comes to us by means of a particular culture, cultural origin, but there is something that goes above and beyond even the culture, and that is the spirituality itself, the Eastern spirituality, its liturgy, its theology. And to be able to live that in a way without totally segregating from your ethnic roots is one of the great challenges of the Eastern Church. One of the ways that we have to meet that challenge to not just survive, as I keep saying, but to thrive. It's important that we thrive. It's important for America. It's important for the Western civilization that we thrive. It's important for the kingdom of God and for ourselves that we thrive. So we want to thrive. Now, how do we thrive as Eastern churches in a land that was not our land of origin? Well, the key is is in being as authentic as possible to our inner genius. In other words, what are our gifts? What makes us unique? What is it that we have in particular to offer? And to look at those gifts, to rediscover them, as Vatican II called us to do, and to let them thrive. Now, kind of a sort of a dusting them off and developing them. And the way that we evangelize, another word for this would be evangelize. We have to evangelize, as all churches do, but in particular, the Eastern churches have to evangelize in a way that is unique to them. In the West, the great gift of the Western church is that it is very, very good at evangelizing, very, very good at proclaiming the Word of God, of getting it out there and around. That's why the Latin rite is the more dominant and more well-known and certainly more widespread of the rites of the Catholic Church throughout the world. And one of the reasons is because of the great genius that the West has to deliver the message. See, the West has a great delivery system, a great genius and gift for that, to proclaim, to go, to sort of come onto some place, some area of the world, and to kind of conquer it in a good way, meaning spiritually. In other words, to to sort of conquer it for the Lord, and to kind of set up camp there and, and spread the gospel. The West has a very, very strong gift in moving outward from itself into other territories and establishing the church and the faith in those regions. The East, the gift is a little bit different. We're not as strong, we're not nearly as strong in that area, which is another reason why it's great to be part of the whole Catholic Church. In other words, be aligned with our brethren in the West because we can avail ourselves of each other's riches. The West actually helps the Eastern Church to evangelize. Yeah, it does, because the West has that genius of the delivery system, of the sort of a how-to-do-it kind of thing. And we, we have to learn from the West on that. In fact, we do avail ourselves of the West in the, of the Western Church's gifts in that area. However, at the same time, it's very important for the Eastern Churches to evangelize in the way that is germane to us. And that would be this. Think of it this way. The Eastern Churches are kind of like a, like a beautiful queen. She kind of sits on her throne, and she has this overriding sort of nobility and beauty that draw people to her. Now, I'm not saying that Eastern churches just kind of sit there and wait for people to come to them, although sometimes we do do that. 
It's not exactly that. What I mean is kind of like a queen bee. You know, the bees are all drawn to the queen. Yes, the queen does have to get out from her throne and go around the country, you know, throughout her empire or kingdom at times. So the Eastern churches do have to move beyond themselves at the same time. But their strength of evangelization, and this is, again, unique to the Eastern churches. It's a little bit different in the West. The Eastern churches, our strength of evangelization is by drawing people to us by an overwhelming, alluring beauty and mysticism. And that is seen in the very design and presentation of the exterior of our churches. In other words, our property, our design. In Eastern churches have a different kind of architecture. People look at it and go, oh, what is that church? That looks interesting. Let me go in and see. And so the architecture and hopefully also the environment, the this very setting, the entire setting of the church makes people want to come and see, or they may have heard about the liturgy, they may have attended a liturgy, they may have heard a, an Eastern chant, and there's something alluring, something that makes you want to come and see it and hear it, experience it. So they come in, and as they enter the church, hopefully then they're taken up into yet another level, and that level is an experience of heaven on earth by a church that's richly decorated with iconography from floor to ceiling. And the liturgy itself is done well with chant, with proper chant and beautiful chant, with all the people singing in the canters and the choirs. And you have deacons and bishops and priests. In other words, when you have the full, the full kind of presentation, the fullness of the liturgy, from art to architecture to environment to chant to everything, to preaching, when you have the full package, that's when the Eastern churches and how the Eastern churches evangelize. So there's a kind of a drawing people to them. Now, again, I want to emphasize, and it's important for Eastern churches to realize too, to be reminded that it doesn't mean we just sit there and hope people will come. We're not like Miss Muffin on the Tuffet. We're a queen in a sense, but not Miss Muffin on her Tuffet. We are the queen that moves out throughout her kingdom from time to time. There is a kind of a movement outward but the greater strength is in drawing people you know, to the beautiful queen. And sometimes when Eastern churches have a difficulty in evangelizing, sometimes I think it's as though they're a beautiful queen, but they don't realize that they're beautiful, or they don't really believe it, or they don't know how to really use it, to flaunt it in a good way. When I say flaunt, I mean in a good way. In other words, to really, really max it out, really make those churches as Eastern and as beautifully Eastern as possible. Take that spirituality to the property, the environment. Make it as authentic to the environment, as environmental, as beautiful as possible. Because let's face it, one of the first things people see when they drive by a church is what? Is the exterior, right? Before they've even met you. Sometimes people will say, well, the best evangelization is ourselves. We as individuals are supposed to be those images of Christ that will draw people to us. Yes, that's true. But let's face it, sometimes cars going by in the street haven't met you yet. So what they do however, see first before they've met you, before they had the privilege of meeting one of us <laughs> to experience that Christ image, is they see the church itself. They see the grounds, the building, and something has to draw their attention. And that something would in fact do that if it is authentic. If it is authentic to the genius of the East, and that genius is mysticism and beauty. God is true, good, and beautiful. And that is what we communicate through everything that we do. And we must do that. And the degree to which Eastern churches do it is a degree to which they can effectively evangelize. So going back to Father Elias' little parish in Texas, trying to make it an area that is 
of course, no longer the Babushka Belt or the Rust Belt of, of the North, where there were many, many Eastern churches over time. Now he's in the Bible Belt and trying to make it there. How can they do it? They have to do it by maxing out those gifts that are intrinsic to the Eastern churches. But this goes not just for Father Rafai's church. This goes for all churches, especially of the Eastern Catholic churches and the Eastern Orthodox churches as well in America, because it's a different culture than our cultures of origin. And we bring with us the beauty and riches of our ethnic heritage, but yet we balance them. We balance them against what should be an overriding overriding beauty and power of our unique gifts, our mysticism, our theology, our liturgy, our small, close community, our sensitivity to the environment, to all that will make the kingdom of God shine here on earth. Our whole goal is to let all of the earth, all of life, especially ourselves and our churches, image God, to make heaven on earth, not a utopia, but to make what is in heaven, as we say in the Our Father, to make what is in heaven on earth. I want to thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the light of the east, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>